A new poll shows Biden with a widening national lead, and the president didn't exactly do himself any favors in an hour-long Fox News interview yesterday. Congressman John Lewis passed away this weekend. We take a look at his legacy. And things behind the scenes of the Ellen DeGeneres show haven't exactly matched up with the host's reputation as a generous queen. We're talking with BuzzFeed News reporter Christy Yandoli about what former crew members told her went down behind the scenes. The date, July 20th, 2020. The time, news o'clock. Hey everyone, I'm Hayes Brown. And I'm Casey Rackham. Welcome to BuzzFeed's News O'Clock. Okay, Casey, I have to know, uh, have you seen everything going on right now about witch talk and the moon? Yes, I saw it late last night, sent it to everyone I know. I have so many questions, but please, Hayes, fill everyone in right now. So people, if you have not seen this, it is something that escaped to mainstream Twitter from witch talk, that is witch TikTok, and it basically goes like this. People are mad because baby witches, aka people who have just started out practicing the craft, have taken it upon themselves to hex the moon just to show that they can. It started off by them being mad about these baby witches hexing the fey folk, aka the fairies, which also is not to be done. And But then they upgraded to the moon and now they're big mad about it. That's, that's the shortest version I can make of that. that. I think you did a really good job <laughs> of summarizing that. But I will follow up by saying, as someone who read every single response in that thread, is that there's no way these baby witches could have actually hexed the moon. They just like do not have that capabilities yet. But still, the fact that they tried is unsettling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, as someone who has known several people throughout my years who are believers in things like Wicca, et cetera, et cetera, I'm not here to make fun of them for this, you know, thread of uh, hexing about hexing the moon. What I am here to do, though, is wonder if they can try to hex the moon, what's next? The sun? Is the sun in their crosshairs next? That is my big question moving forward. Yeah, the only thing I care about is literally all of the drama. I want to know the ins and outs of witch talk. I'm deeply interested. I need a deep dive of this immediately. (laughs) Okay, it's time for today's top stories. Here's what you need to know. The U.S. has now seen an increase in its seven-day average of coronavirus cases for 41 straight days, an increase that's putting more and more strain on the country's support systems. Even as more Republicans in leadership come around to wearing masks, the looming fight over opening schools this fall is only getting started. Missouri Governor Mike Parson said this on Friday when talking to a local radio station about what happens if kids go back to school. These kids have got to get back to school. They're at the lowest risk possible. And if they do get COVID-19, which they will, and they will when they go to school, they're not going to the hospitals. They're not going to have to sit in doctors off for days. They're going to go home and they're going to get over it. And most of it all proves out to be that way if you look at the science of it. But across the country, there's been a rise in COVID cases in children under the age of 18. In Florida, a third of children tested for coronavirus cases came back positive. That number declined to 13 percent with the surge in testing, but it is still extremely high. And in one Texas county, 85 babies under the age of one have tested positive. The question of whether students go back to school is also tied to whether their parents are able to stay home with them or if they're going back to work. Experts say that with the amount of virus circulating in the country, conditions are unsafe to continue restarting state economies. But the unemployment benefits expansion that Congress passed in March is set to expire at the end of this week, potentially casting millions of people into poverty. 
None of that, though, really seemed to bother the president, who gave an hour-long interview on Fox News this weekend, where he shifted the blame to basically anyone else and continued to insist that the virus would soon disappear. President Trump sat down with Fox News' Chris Wallace, who pressed him on a wide range of issues, including his predictions that the virus would be gone by now. Trump responded, quote, I'll be right eventually. Wallace also questioned Trump about his insistence that his opponent this November, former Vice President Joe Biden, is too old to take office. Last week, the president boasted about beating an extremely difficult cognitive test administered at Walter Reed Military Hospital in 2018. Wallace wasn't very impressed. Yeah, how did it's you not do the it? Hard, well, it's not the hardest task. No, but the it last... It has a picture and it says, what's that? And it's an elephant. No, no, no. You see, that's all misrepresentation. Well, that's what it was on the web. It's all misrepresentation. Because, yes, the first few questions are easy, but I'll bet you couldn't even answer the last five questions. I'll bet you couldn't. They get very hard, the last five well, questions. Well, one of them was count back from 100 by 7. A new poll out this weekend from ABC News and The Washington Post found that Biden has expanded his national lead. If the election were held today, 54 percent of Americans say they'd vote for Biden, compared to 39 percent who'd vote for Trump. That gap grew larger when respondents were asked who would handle the coronavirus outbreak better, favoring Biden by 20 points. And we told you on Friday about the federal officers deployed in Portland, Oregon, ostensibly to protect federal property. Well, the country really started paying attention this weekend as the news of potential overreach from the feds provided a new spark for the protests there. Several videos from the recent protests went viral, particularly those featuring people who you wouldn't exactly call violent anarchists, as the administration has referred to the demonstrators in Portland. In one case, a group of at least 30 moms took to the front lines, forming a human wall between officers and civilians, preventing them from launching tear gas. In another video, officials in riot gear can be seen beating a man in a Navy t-shirt with a baton as he stands there and takes it before they pepper spray him in the face. The man, later identified as 53-year-old former Navy officer Christopher David, walks away flipping off the officer. David later told news outlets that he was reminding them of their oath of office when they started hitting him, breaking his hand. Oregon officials have said they've asked the Department of Homeland Security to remove the federal forces, but to no avail. Now, Oregon Attorney General Ellen Rosenblum has filed a lawsuit against several law enforcement agencies, claiming that the agents violated the law when grabbing people off the streets and putting them into unmarked vans. Mm. Okay, so not only has the Department of Homeland Security been asked to remove the federal forces to no avail, I just read on Twitter like an hour ago that the Chicago Tribune learned that the Department of Homeland Security is going to deploy about 150 federal agents to Chicago this week. And it's like... Yeah, it's not a great trend line. Uh, the president also in the Oval Office today mentioned that, you know, he was looking at sending these federal forces to uh, not only Chicago, but New York, Dallas, other big major metropolitan areas where we see these protests, even if the protests themselves have died down. And even though there's not really evidence of widespread violence, especially against people, I mean, there's been graffitiing and, you know, breaking of windows and things like that in Portland, but nothing that has caused loss of life. But still, the president is trying to move forward towards deploying these uh, federal forces elsewhere. Mm. Oh, and I got to say, uh, on the coronavirus uh, situation, good news, Casey. Starting <laughs> <No>. tomorrow, <laughs> the administration's White House briefings are coming back starting at 5 p.m. tomorrow. Great. Just what we need every day. <laughs> <laughs> Every day, the president telling us all the things about why we'd be cleaned from the inside out. It's going to go mm. just perfect. <laughs> all right, Casey, that's what I have today. How about you? 
Well, uh, I hate to break our don't talk about Kanye rule, but we have to talk about Kanye, especially after this weekend. According to TMZ, the people around him, including the Kardashians, are pretty concerned right now. As you probably know by now, Kanye says he's running for president, which, sure, whatever. But at what was called a campaign rally over the weekend, he had some questionable things to say, including this about Harriet Tubman. Well, Harriet Tubman never actually freed the slaves. She just had the slaves go work for other white people. Now, some people in outlets are reporting this with a bit of, haha, can you believe this guy tone? But according to TMZ, quote, those around him believe Kanye is in desperate need of professional help and is in the middle of a serious bipolar episode, but he won't listen to them. So Kanye was meeting with President Trump back in 2018 when he called his bipolar a misdiagnosis. Since then, he'd seemingly accepted his mental illness, but told David Letterman last year that he still wasn't on medication. Which is concerning. Concerning is, Mm -hmm. I think, the very proper word for what's happening with Kanye right now. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, you see a lot of outlets either taking it, ha-ha, isn't this really funny what he's doing, Tone, or taking it way too seriously, like, oh, Kanye's on the ballot in X number of states, but can he, like, actually become a... No, what... This is a mental health story. Kanye is not doing well right now, everyone. Right, and a lot of people online are criticizing the media and news outlets for covering this story without also talking about mental health because something is clearly going on. I mean, anyone who's watched or listened to that video, it's just very apparent that something's not right. Right. And I I don't know. I just, I feel like if we are going to be talking about this, we have to do so responsibly mm. and in a way that encourages the most people who are exhibiting if people. I feel like for the longest time, people have associated artists with like this sort of behavior. Like, oh, they're just being an artist, just being loose, they're being free. Connie himself said, uh, I think it was uh, last year, that he wasn't going on medication because it interfered with his uh, creative process. But that's just not the case. It's not something that we should just let happen. Uh, in public because uh, they're famous. When we come back, we've got BuzzFeed News' Christy Andoli with us to talk about the behind-the-scenes toxicity at the Ellen DeGeneres show. Stay right there. At SheFit, we're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat-burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self-doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. Hi, everybody. I'm Rachel Bonetta, and I have my very own podcast called Benched with Bonetta. You kidding me? Woo! I'm just here so I won't get fined. You may know me from Game Day View or Game Day Morning on NFL Network. Basically, any shows with the word game in it, odds are you'll find me there. Every week, I'm going to be talking about all the things I find fascinating about the NFL, like breaking down games, questioning Tom Brady's genetic makeup. It's going to be great. I'm also doing something that has never been done before. I'm opening my DMs. DMs now open. (gasps) We want to hear from you, fans of the NFL. And when I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. Did you commit a misdemeanor crime when you were 12 and need to tell somebody about it? Please, for the love of Roger Goodell, do not tell me. I can be held accountable. Listen every Tuesday and join me on the bench. 
Subscribe now and listen to the Benched with Bonetta podcast on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Being a real estate agent isn't about listing houses. It's about connecting to people. I need to find new buyers every day. So I promote my listings using radio commercials from iHeartAdBuilder.com. Now every time I have an open house, it's a full house. A custom radio ad from iHeartAdBuilder is the fast, affordable way to drive customers to your business. Put the power of radio to work for you. Get started now at iHeartAdBuilder.com. Welcome back. Since Ellen DeGeneres' daytime talk show first launched in 2003, DeGeneres has projected a vibe of be kind to everyone no matter what. But as it turns out, that didn't apply behind the scenes, as former staffers have told BuzzFeed News about a toxic working environment that was encouraged from the top. We're joined by BuzzFeed News reporter Christy Yandoli, who broke this story last week. Christy, thanks for joining us again. Happy to be here. So there have been rumors about the conditions at the Ellen Show and Ellen herself being difficult to work with for a while now, right? What made you start digging into this? There had been rumors um, for a long time, and there was also that viral Twitter thread that Kevin Porter, Mm -hmm. the comedian, had started. Um, And, you know, where there's smoke, there's usually fire. Uh, There was also a really great variety story that came out in April where crew members had told Variety that... um, producers were not communicating with them during the coronavirus pandemic and their pay was being cut. And so, you know, it felt like a time when maybe people were finally ready to Mm. speak and they did. (laughs) So most of the people you spoke with for the story asked not to be named for fear of repercussions, which is fair. But what can you tell us about the people that you got in touch with? I can tell you (laughs) that they were not happy with their experiences working behind the scenes of the Ellen show. I can tell you they were very, very afraid of being identified in any way. Mm -hmm. Um, the more people I spoke to, the more comfortable they all became, you know, there's power in numbers. So the few people whose you know, experiences I wrote about that were specific to them and that they felt did identify them to their community and to, you know, their former colleagues. It was obviously with their full permission that I shared it. And they, you know, those employees wanted to be out there because they Mm -hmm. wanted to see a shift in the workplace culture there. Mm. Yeah. And one of those stories uh, that you featured in your article, one woman who you spoke with said that she walked out of work one day and never returned because the situation was so bad. Can you tell us a little bit about her case? So she said that she encountered microaggressions and comments about her race as a black woman. She said that one of the white male writers on the show at, um, a company party of some kind said Mm -hmm. to her, Oh, you know, I don't know your name. I don't know the name of the black employees who work here. I only know the name of the white employees who work here. Mm -hmm. She said one of the first days of the job, her manager 
said to her, Oh, you and you know, her pointing to another black woman, both have box braids. You know, I hope we don't confuse you. She said that she was reprimanded for asking that the company have diversity and inclusion training. Um, she said she was reprimanded for asking for a raise after she found out she was getting paid a lot less than someone who was recently hired and had shared their salary with her. Um, she said she was reprimanded for asking that the show doesn't use the term spirit animal, um, Mm. in, uh, an interview segment that Ellen was doing. Um, she said she was called the quote unquote PC police. Yeah. And after she was, reprimanded. She said she left and never came back. So Christy, as you mentioned uh, in your story, you described situations where producers up to and including the executive producer were extremely quick to reprimand some people who pushed back against them for any number of things. This sort of mistreatment, was it spread evenly among the crew members, you would say, or was it more focused and targeted? Um, In my reporting, I found that there were two camps of people who worked behind the scenes. There were people who were favored um, Mm. by senior level producers who had very different experiences than those who said they were not. Mm -hmm. And those who said they were not amongst the favored, um, you know, came up against more conflict and did not have as positive of an experience as colleagues who said, you know, their producers liked them and had more, you know, quote unquote, likability characteristics in like Mm. a traditional, like surface level way. Mm. So after all of this dropped, have representatives of the Ellen show commented or responded at all? When we published our story, uh, we included a statement from the three executive producers on The Ellen Show, who said they were saddened to hear about a few employees' experiences. That's all we've heard and have seen. Mm. So Ellen herself doesn't make much of an appearance in the story. What did the people you spoke with say about her influence over the atmosphere of the show? The focus of the story was more so about the workplace environment and the people who former employees say perpetuate that environment, which to your point does not include Ellen DeGeneres herself. Although there were some former employees who did say it's Ellen's name on the show and you know, this stuff starts at the top and she should be held accountable. Mm. And Christy, uh, what did some of the people you spoke with for the story think public figures like Ellen owe viewers as far as lining up their on-screen personas with how they behave behind the scenes or encourage others to behave? Former employees told me that they want to see Ellen DeGeneres held accountable for having a public image that she makes millions and millions and millions of dollars off of, you know, Mm -hmm. on the be kind mantra. There are subscription boxes, there are channels, there are, you know, brands being built around this and lots of people who make a lot of money off of it. And former employees told me they, they want to see Ellen held accountable for having that public brand that does not match their behind the scenes experiences. And according to what they said, quite the opposite, actually. 
Well, Chrissy, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. Okay, we have time for one more thing. And today we're remembering Georgia Representative John Lewis, who passed away this weekend at the age of 80. Most obituaries described him as a civil rights icon and for good reason. Lewis was the head of the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, or SNCC, in the early 1960s. In that role, at the age of 23, he spoke at the March on Washington, where leadership had to tone down the speech he was slated to give. Even after the edits, Lewis gave one of the fiercest speeches that day, refusing to fully endorse the Kennedy administration's civil rights bill, which he felt didn't go far enough. We come here today with a great sense of misgiving. It is true that we support the administration's civil rights bill. We support it with great reservation, however. Two years later, Lewis took part in the famed march from Selma, Alabama to Montgomery alongside Dr. Martin Luther King. On the Edmund Pettus Bridge, Lewis was beaten by Alabama state troopers as he and others attempted to register black citizens to vote under the Civil Rights Act. He was arrested and suffered a fracture to his skull, but was not defeated. Lewis was first elected to Congress in 1986, serving a total of 17 terms, constantly fighting for equality. Back in the 1990s, Lewis was a forceful advocate for LGBTQ rights, even if they weren't called that at the time. When Congress was debating the Defense of Marriage Act, which banned same-sex marriage in the U.S., Lewis was one of the few members who spoke out against it. This bill is a slap in the face of the Declaration of Independence. It denies gay men and women the right to liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Marriage is a basic human right. Lewis died of pancreatic cancer on Friday night. But even after he was diagnosed back in December, he continued to press for issues important to him, including the restoration of the full Voting Rights Act and lobbying for passage of the Equality Act, which would prohibit discrimination of LGBTQ people in a broad range of areas, including education, employment, and participation on juries. And honestly, that's the sort of thing that people really respect about him, that he was always pushing for more equality in this country. Definitely. And uh, I mean, the list goes on and on with everything that he's accomplished and done for this country and the people of this country. And it was also just really pure to see on Twitter the way people were reminding him as just a genuinely like kind man as well. Right. I remember seeing there was a tweet of him just playing around with a bunch of kittens and there of him like seeing puppies in Congress and just really sweet images that made me smile, even despite the fact that we'd lost someone so great. Mm. Oh, and uh, there was this one set of pictures from where John Lewis was at Comic-Con back in 2015. He was cosplaying as his younger self, participating in the march from Selma Mm -hmm. 50 years earlier, which he had helped turn into a graphic novel. And so he led a group of young people in a march around the convention center. And I'm, I'm smiling now talking about it because it was just such a good and pure moment. One of the most impactful things I saw on Twitter was that there are probably many John Lewis's out on the street right now. So as we remember Lewis for everything he has done, we should also recognize our current John Lewis's that are out marching for our rights in this moment. Amen to that, Casey. Amen to that. All right. That's it for today. Join us tomorrow when we take a deep dive into what is going on in Portland. And remember, don't hex the moon. Just don't do it. Be sure to subscribe to News O'Clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to set your alarm so you never miss an episode of News O'Clock.
Peacock streaming new movies every week at PeacockTV.com. We'll have The Twilight Saga. I never felt more alive. Selma. We must march. Plus Bad Boys 1 and 2 and Shrek 1 and 2. It's so good to be home. Tons of blockbuster hits you can't not watch. Sign up at PeacockTV.com. NFL fans, nothing compares to being there live. What a play! Now the crowd is alive. And the NFL's biggest season ever is now ready for the postseason. It's playoff time. We got to win. NFL playoff tickets are on sale now. Don't miss your chance to be a part of the postseason action on the road to Super Bowl 56. Visit NFL.com slash tickets for a complete listing of games. That's NFL.com slash tickets. Give us your attention. We need everything you got fast. Waiting on reparations. We be the endless podcast. Tune in every Thursday. Politics and wordplay. We fight for the people because they got us in the worst way. From the hill to Brazil, Bombay to Kanye. From the left enclave to what the neocons say. Every Thursday, cop the heady conversation. And, and break us off with some bread because we waiting, waiting on, on reparations. reparations. Listen to Waiting on Reparations on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.